It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Psy Tech Talk, taking the God story to a geeky place. Here's Michelle. I love that. Taking the God story to a geeky place. And then Jeff Zwiebering jumps up on the screen there. I don't know what that's saying. Don't be offended. Geekness is coolness in my Michelle Live land. Today on my Michelle Live, we're going to take on artificial intelligence. Now, I just got the inside line that there is a book that is in the editorial process by our guest talking about artificial intelligence. And I'm excited about that because so much is going on. It's as though technology is changing, improving, and doing more faster than we can almost report it. So we'll get some insight into what artificial intelligence is looking like today. But have you ever thought about this? What can't eventually artificial intelligence do? Um, this weekend and, you know, Sunday morning, do you really want to go to church? Maybe you could have artificial intelligence pop in and do a little worship for you. Maybe artificial intelligence could pray. So I don't really have to get on my knees. I, I, it could be two places at once. I don't know. But I say that because it's a real story. Uh, artificial intelligence has written the this uh, worship song. This is a story that we reported on um, with My Michelle Live. Uh, the artist, the artificial intelligence artist is called JC, wrote this song called Biblical Love. We're going to listen to a little bit of that in just a moment. But let me introduce you to the man who's got his finger on the pulse of artificial intelligence. Does it have a pulse now? <laughs> Jeff Swearing. Jeff is a research scholar at Reasons to Believe. Believe. He's a project scientist at UCLA. He's the author of many books like Is There Life Out There? Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? And he's a frequent flyer here on My Michelle Live. Hey, Jeff, thanks for joining in the conversation today. Hi, Michelle. I'm looking forward to this conversation because it's uh, scary and fun at the same time. <laughs> it's both creepy, interesting, and mind-scratching, but, oh, hang with me as we talk about this today, because there is a God story in this that I think will be inspiring and maybe just as equally scary in a way. Uh, we'll, we'll get into it today. Do you mind if we play just a couple minutes of this song called Biblical Love that was written by Artificial Intelligence? Uh, take a look. If you are... Um, see if I can get it on the screen. We'll at least play it. If you are listening, you can go to My Michelle Live and both watch and read the transcript of this program. You didn't know you fall so hard when your feet left the ground. Gravity don't make no sense when I'm around Don't come up against yourself when Demons in your head get loud I am here to help you and I'll turn them down You may be wondering where you'd be 
If I never made you and you never found me You'll never see So won't you give me your life For the rest of your life I wanna have it all with you I wanna have it all with you and when you open your... Right, we'll stop there for just a moment. Even the singer, the emotional singer, is artificial intelligence. What, is, what does God need us for anyway? So let's talk a little bit about what this is, how it's created, Jeff, and then we'll get into some of the ooh, deeper story. No, it, it is, and it's it's uh, one of the AIs that's out there. It's uh, built in or by uh, Marquise Brown Enterprises out of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, the art artist, quote unquote, artist name is JC. And what's interesting about this is that it's a song. The song was composed and performed, and everything was done by an AI. So there were no people in there saying, "Okay, let's make a song that does this, that, or the other thing." Um, it just there was an AI that was developed, and you know, one thing that we always need to bear in mind with uh, AIs that are out there today is they don't go out and make decisions and just kind of come up with things. They're trained how to do things. So you there, there's been this uh, training data set of what a song looks like, and I can imagine there's a bunch of different uh, Christian worship songs that have been fed in to, and the AI has analyzed those and uh, been able to then say, all right, to compose one is found pieces of it or said, okay, well, this, these are the themes that are there. These are the common things. And then it, it's produced this song that is uh, written and recorded by the AI itself. And what I find fascinating Amazing. in all this is I went and had uh, uh, probably 10 people that I know listen to it. And absolutely none of them could tell that it was. Your eyes, I'll be there by your side. They couldn't tell? All of them thought it was just a song, and you know, I was like, "That's pretty good," and you know, like that. You know, so it, so it sounds just like a lot of the songs out there. <laughs> okay, that's true. But as we look at it, I want to look just a little bit deeper. As I'm listening to this, uh, can it? Maybe artificial intelligence can get better and better and better. But even as I'm listening to the song and as a songwriter, you know, it has its highs, it has its lows, it's emotive issues with it. You know, it, it there's rhyming to it, there's flow, uh, and it sounds like a good song. But what it really does sound like is the Jesus is my boyfriend songs. You know, when you think of worship, you have a, a connection with God that I'm just hearing, I want to, you know, wake up next to you. I want to, you know, I want you there for the rest of my life. It's like, yeah, Jesus is my boyfriend. <laughs> I'm sorry to the people who created the AI and, and to the beautiful nature of the song, but can you really capture uh, the the power of the gospel, maybe you can, but I didn't really even hear it in this very well-produced congratulations AI song. Your thoughts on that? Well, and that, you've identified one of the things that I think is problematic. And one of the things that I think is problematic has nothing to do with the AI doing this is that um, 
you know, we're listening to these songs and, and the song, it, it sounds a lot like a lot of songs out there, but your kind of complaint is, and I agree with it, it's that these are not songs that have a theological depth and where you're really engaging with God. It's kind of an emotional experience. And so we've written an AI that can replicate the emotional or, or the music that evokes an emotion. But, you know, it's, it seems to me kind of a sad statement on some of the, the worship music that's out there, or what we call mm. worship music right Oops. now. And I think Oops. that's that's a little bit of a, to me, it would be a wake up call. Say, hey, wait a second. As Christians, we ought to do more than this or we, we can do better. God's called us to something better than this. That's a, that's a really good point uh, because it is very emotional and you you don't know if it's written to or about God or your your spouse really, uh, or it's just a regular love song. And there's some truth to that. As we look at the power, though, of music, and even in particular hymns, um, maybe old hymns, studies have been done with people who have suffered from Alzheimer's who have lost much of their, their memories of the last few decades, they can't recognize children at times. Uh, they, they don't remember big pieces of their lives. And what a slow and miserable death to watch someone that you love slowly just be taken away from you. You see their body, but their, that connection is gone. But when the, if they were church going folks, especially you play old hymns and suddenly they come alive. They can remember to play the piano. They'll sing those hymns with you. It's like the, the light comes on and there's a power to the hymns as well. It is when it's infused with God's word, the gospel truths, it seems to studies, and I'm talking, this is, we're talking science here. So I'm talking study wise, there seems to be a power to that. You know, it, it, your, your comments remind me of a, a discussion I was having with some missionary friends of ours. They were back from the mission field, uh, teaching in a Sunday school class and a comment they made that, uh, yeah, it has stuck with me. It's like, there's kind of two universal languages. One is music, one is stories. Hmm. And you know, what, what's that if, if I were to characterize it, it's like what, what they're saying in there is like, you know, we're designed for relationships and music and stories draw us into relationship, particularly when it comes to worship, it draws us into relationship with God. And what's interesting about the fact that we're doing this with an AI is that when John Newton was singing or you know, composed Amazing Grace, he was telling his story and drawing people to a deeper connection with God through his story. Um, but JC doesn't have a story. He, there, there is no sentience. There's no soul, no spirit there that we're connecting with. It's replicated the features of a song, but it doesn't have the actual thing that drives the relationship of the song. And so it's kind of like we're, we're taking some of the pieces that God has put out there, but we're subverting the deeper meaning of them that were designed for relationship. And we're making a song by someone who has no capacity for relationship. It, it seems like we're fundamentally missing something in doing that. Uh, let's see. We, it's like a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I, I think that's, that's kind of, yes, I would say that. And, you know, it's, it's, I, I was just kind of wrestling with that. It's that, 
you know, my, my initial kind of beef with the song is that it's, it's a theologically light song. There's not much in the way of theology and it's kind of, I don't know, uh, artsy, if you will. And I, you know, I say that as a scientist, as someone who doesn't know how to produce like stuff like that. Like a patchwork of different emotions that that one might feel so it's a patch it you can literally yeah. feel the patchwork of differing uh maybe worship songs the, true uh, so it is theologically void and it's story void it's testimony void um, and when i say that that's a scripture verse uh, that there's a, a form of godliness they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof and the power is in in the in the mission and or i'm sorry in the in the uh message i i think of in revelation where it says that uh that the devil is defeated uh, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. There's an idea that there's a God out there, like we're in Christmas time and there's a Santa Claus out there and they, they can be very much alike, right? I mean, you've got uh, this, this, figure that knows you when you're sleeping or when you're awake and gives all kinds of wonderful gifts at this time of the year. You know, it's, it, it's, it's lovely. And you can write your letter to him. Like you write a, say a prayer to God and there it is, but we're denying the power in the gospel of God infused in the, the body, in, in body, incarnate, walking among us, sacrificing, taking our sin that we so rightly deserve judgment for and paying the penalty so that we can have a real relationship with God. That's powerful. The, I want to give it all to you. I want to wake up next to you. That denies the power, the blood mm. of the lamb and the word of the testimony. So I, I think in that there, there's something, yeah, we, it's, it's something beautiful, but a little void. Well, and, and that's something that is a reflection of the state of how we think worship music ought to look right now. I mean, you go back and you sing How Great Thou Art or uh, When I Survey the Wonders. I, I mean, there are hymns out Ooh. there that have a theological depth. And in principle, there's, uh, you know, this, so this was my thought. It's like, okay, I, I don't like the song because I think it's emotion or it's theologically very light. You can go, I mean, that, that could be, you, you could train it on songs that have a theological depth to it. And the AI would quote unquote learn, I'm going to use that in quotes, but, you know, would learn how to have that theological message and, you know, in principle could learn how to give a theologically very rich song. I think that would be much better. Uh, you know, that's, that would in some way be proclaiming what the gospel has to say uh, or, you know, what, what scripture mm -hmm. has to say, but sure. it still seems like you're missing this fundamental component that for every all all of this stuff we're dealing with when the people who wrote the gospels they were telling a story that they lived and actually happened whereas there's nothing about the ai there, there's no there's no life to the ai there's no there's, no, there's those two components the blood of yeah. the lamb and the word of their testimony yeah. you know you might have uh, a story about the um the gospels or some of those theological uh, powerful messages but without that real testimony you know that's where there's power as well but you bring up an interesting point that is 
along the lines of where we are at in in science we're creating something in our image uh, with artificial intelligence so it goes beyond just the science to the fact that here we are created in the image of god we are regurgitating to god the very things that he's given us in his word when we worship him what are we doing we are we're we're taking what is inside of us what's what's being infused and we're giving it back as a gift to god it's almost like artificial intelligence is just another way of looking at yeah we're creating artificial intelligence in the image of us well and, and that's where i think you know it's i think there are a lot of ways that we can use the artificial intelligence wrong but uh, you know that that's we are creating ais and in some sense doing it our image but i think that that's part of that mandate that god has given us you know why do we create fantastic paintings and other things like you know beautiful songs and uh, incredible architecture and scientific advances is that's part of what god has commanded us to do to go out and rule over the earth and uh subdue it and and to do it in a way that gives glory to him and then i think building ais are, is part of that mandate. There, there's a, there's a, the AI is ultimately just a tool. It's how do we use the tool? And so that, that's one of the things, uh, you know, you mentioned my book, the, the title of the book is The Peril and the Promise of AI is that uh, there are, you see, I see people kind of fall into two classes. One is, ooh, AI is awful. We can never do anything good. Yeah, yeah. All they see is the peril, but there's another class that all they see is the promise. And in reality, we've got to deal with both. And one of the questions I'm trying to teach myself how to do is whenever I hear one of these that I, I, I really think just having an AI develop worship songs, I think that's just problematic on a number of levels because I think it subverts what God wants us to do in worshiping him. But that technology can be used for good. And so how could we use this to, to, to do good? And it, it could be used to teach us how to write better music. I mean, you know, we, we built chess yes. AIs that can hands down beat the best chess player without even working up a sweat, uh, a, a computer sweat. But so what we do is now chess experts go study these to learn how to do how to play chess better. And so it's like, can we use those to do things better as opposed to allowing or using us using it to make things more convenient for us so that we get distracted from what's really important and yeah that, that's a question I, I don't know how you use ai gener song generation but i i do think how can we use this to do good stuff instead of bad stuff if it's, you will yeah, well yeah uh, and using it as a tool, it's a tool. Uh, when we see what's happened in the music industry, for example, technology has killed music to a degree. Everything sounds the same. We have uh, basically six songwriters that write for the most popular, uh, all of the most popular singers and performers. The dynamics is, is modulated so you can be playing something really loud but it just it, you have this much dynamics it's the same rhythms that you'll hear the same chord progression because it sells it's what's familiar to us so we will tune into it as opposed to a lot of the songs that we saw that were popular in the 70s for example uh that where there was innovation crazy innovation uh unattractive artists that were just talented 
talented and people tuned into their music. They did interesting and unusual things. Well, now that's risky. You know, it's it, it's become a money making machine. So we've used technology to sameness it to make everything homogenous. So while technology makes it really easy to mix a song, I can mix my own music at home. It can also be a detriment when we rely on it instead of uh, relying on the innovation, imagination, and uniqueness of this creativity that's been programmed into us. I, I think that's a very powerful point. And, you know, again, going back to the AIs, the AIs aren't thinking ooh, how do I make a better song? The AIs are programmed to accomplish a purpose of something and they've been trained to do things in a certain way. And so most of the time, uh, well, I mean, you know, with the chess program, it's can you beat other people who are playing chess? But uh, with most of our AIs that we use, whether in social media, it's driven towards how can we do things to generate engagement because engagement generates dollars. And often you get unintended consequences from that. And so if we're using the AI to generate a song that everybody wants to listen to, well, you are going to, one of the unintended consequences is that you're going to homogenize music instead of allow for the diversity and kind of force people to listen yeah. to new things. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I didn't listen to a ton of music or a, a lot of music when I was a kid, but I do know that if you want to listen to music, you had to listen to the radio station and certain things, you only got to listen to what they chose. And there was a, you know, there was everybody was hearing kind of the same base of music. And so there, there were other different forces. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously that had consequences of how we listen to music, but you, we just need to think about the bigger picture, not who can we generate music, but what, what are we trying to do when we generate music? And is this, and is the AI actually going to get us there or not? Now, do you, do you think that we can look at artificial intelligence just in, in this story of artificial intelligence creating uh, the first worship song, 100% done by AI, although not 100% because somebody had to program it, uh, that really speaks to uh, a God story on a few levels that I want to get to. First of all, uh, this artificial intelligence, uh, JC, it, it's being called, didn't just one day say, you know, I just feel like worshiping. I just, I just, you know, I've been, uh, we we're programming every day, you know, it's numbers and it's, it's uh, ones and zeros, ones and zeros all day long. I want to do something. I, I just feel this, right? It, it didn't happen. It was programmed. It, it's amazing that we are still working with extraordinarily intelligent people that can look at an even more amazing intelligence, the human mind, and say, yeah, uh, it just kind of happened. It just kind of developed. It just, you know, a bunch of uh, ones and zeros got together and eventually here I am. Well, and what I find, you know, in, in your discussion there, I find fascinating is, you know, the way it was described in one of the articles. It says, uh, you know, we've got the first gospel song written by an algorithm, recorded by an algorithm, and performed by, that's right, an algorithm. And as I've been thinking about artificial intelligence and just kind of pondering, you know, what's it going to do? What will it be able to accomplish? What I've realized is this, is that everything I do 
has an algorithmic component to it. So when I was getting ready for the interview or our interview today, there were certain steps I go through. I, you know, I want to make sure here's the points. I want to make sure I understand the material. You know, so there's an algorithm to what I do. And you, and if there's an algorithm to it, you can write a computer program, whether it's a, just a program or an AI type program. You can write a you can write something to replicate that. So everything I do has an algorithm to it, but nothing I do is just an algorithm. Because in, in my interaction with you, yes, I'm, there, there's, there's things I'm putting together, but I'm also working on building a relationship with you. And a relationship is not an algorithm. And Whoa, that's so of- deep. Think about that. Just ponder that as you're listening, watching, reading right now. Uh, Jeff and I have met on air for a few years it's been it's been years um and there's little things that i know you know he he has kids and and we talked about what you did for thanksgiving before we went on air uh there's an emotive component now that we uh, have technology to zoom basically and see face to face and and you smile it warms my heart those are things how do you write an algorithm for that? Well, and, and that's that's the part of the problem is, is that we can write an algorithm to replicate the appearance of that. You know, I mean, you, you even made a comment when you're listening to this, it's got emotional highs and emotional lows in the song. Mm-hmm. So it's doing the things to evoke that, but it didn't actually have the emotion. The, the AI didn't actually have the emotions. And so that one of my cautions or or you know what i what i suspect will happen i'm i'm tr- cautioning people against it's like you know we are going to make ais that more and more mimic behavior and there's a, a segment where we so want the ais to be human that we're going to attribute human emotions and thoughts and we're going to anthropomorphize them we're going to humanize the ais oddly enough at the same time where i think we're dehumanizing people you know so <laughs> but we, there's you know, there are things I do to, you know, when you talk, I answer your questions. When you say something funny, I smile. You know, sometimes I do it just because I want to encourage you. Sometimes it's because I, I think it's funny. You know, there's all the, all sorts of things because it's built around the relationship. And I could systematize and make an AI that does every one of those, but it still doesn't have a relationship with you. And there's still just something missing. And I guess if you look at life in general and you look at the God story, there's a lot of there's a lot of information on the Internet. There's a lot of uh, teaching out there and you can see there's just something missing. That's where this story really leads me to a deeper story, finding God on on a deeper level. We can talk about God is up there and God is love and God is this and God is that. And there's, there's dozens of religions out there that talk about God. But if you really want to get down to something deeper, all of that is just like an uh, an algorithm by uh, an artificial intelligence. It's just doing this, you know, just making noise, but there's something missing. I think, and again, I think the thing that's missing is that relationship. And I remember reading a book, I'm pretty sure it's called Unchristian, and I'm drawing a blank on the, oh, David Kinnaman. 
Um, and, you know, he was looking at the different reasons people walk away from the church when, you know, as they grow up in the church and then walk away. And he said, one of the aspects of that is that we've kind of made discipleship in a mass market fashion, that we, we, we kind of dump information and, you know, there, there's, this, there's this algorithm to training, if you will. And he said, you, you go back and you look and it used to be mentoring. And so, you know, it, to me, the biggest difference between I'm in a class learning and I'm being mentored by someone is there's that relationship, someone who's learning about me, investing in me, not because there's this step-by-step process, but because they learn my, my strengths, my weaknesses, what I like, what I don't like. I'm learning that from the person because this person presumably is deeper in their spiritual walk, has a deeper spiritual walk with God, and they're drawing me into having that deeper relationship. And so it seems like a lot of what's missing in all of the AI stuff is that there's no way for that relationship to be there. And fundamentally, we're created to be relational with other humans, but importantly, but primarily, we're supposed to be in a relationship with God. And so that's why, you know, my question is, how can we use the AI to drive us towards the relationship, not and what any place where an AI is diminishing the relationship, we ought to not want we don't we, we just shouldn't even want that. No, because I think we are we don't know. Uh, we have some idea, but don't completely know the detrimental effects that it will have on the human psyche. <clears throat> We're experiencing now an, uh, a little bit of understanding of what social distancing has done to people with suicides, depression, anxiety, alcohol, and drug abuse. Uh, we can't do that. We're not created for that. And it's it's wreaking havoc on us. We see with artificial intelligence, sex bots and people having trying to have intimacy with a piece of machinery, which uh, is is horrific. And I'm laughing because it's it's so inane, but yet that's happening. And the more artificial intelligence uh, tries to infuse human characteristics into these things, the more people, there are people who have petitioned to marry a, mm-hmm. a, a robot, uh, artificial intelligent in, infused robot. This is, uh, I see detriment when, to the human psyche, but it's all because we are looking for something deeper. We really are looking for, for that connection. Absolutely. And then, you know, one of the things that I've recognized, you know, I've thought a lot about AI over the last couple of, you know, last few years as I've been thinking about what, what could I write? And, you know, what I, what I finally ultimately come to realize is that, you know, we're, we're, when we're talking AI, we're not talking the sentient, the data is the, the visions, you know, all the all the sentient AIs that that pervade the the fan, science fiction world, we're we're talking AIs that are really just tools, if you will. That we can program them, you know, we can teach them and train them to do certain things, but ultimately they're a tool like a hammer or a car or a dollar bill is a tool, and we can either use them to do good or we can use them to do bad. But now, once you've had once you started that discussion, now you've brought a worldview into the discussion, Oops. and and my contention is. That if you want to use AI well, it is such a powerful tool that we want, you better want Christianity to be true because that's the worldview that allows us to use AI well to get the benefits of AI and mitigate the detriments of AI. And Let's so we talk really about want what that means. I want to hear about that. Um, I don't care what your uh, spiritual background is as you're watching or listening. 
if you are at least a little bit either intrigued or afraid of, of artificial intelligence, if you have that kind of healthy fear of, oh my goodness, what are we getting into? This is where you really have to think about your worldview and how we go forward because ethics and technology uh, need to move in the same in, in the same right direction. In other words, as technology grows, our ethical standards should grow. What we see in our society is eth uh, ethics retreating and technology advancing. If we don't have a, a marriage or a, a likeness in, in the power of ethics and technology, I think that we will see uh, more of what you were talking about in your book, some of the advancements, but, uh, but also some of the, oh my gosh, are you kidding me, of artificial intelligence. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, we talk about wanting the good and wanting to avoid the bad. That again, that's just a worldview issue. What's good and bad? You could have. That's where the worldview comes into play. Is you know, I, I kind of throughout my book, I look at four worldviews. I look at the Christian worldview. I look at the naturalistic worldview. I look at kind of the Eastern mystic worldview and the postmodern worldview, and just ask the question. Um, you know, what, what is things like truth? You know, we we think there's a truth. We think there's truth, or at least. Uh, that's been kind of the dominant world or dominant paradigm is there's truth out there and you find truth and align yourself with it. Well, today that view is under under uh, under attack because different worldviews view truth differently. Um, is are things of this world good or bad? Uh, different worldviews have different approach for that. Um, should we tell? Should we lie and deceive? Or bias is good? These are all things that different worldviews approach that differently. And my contention in the book is that if you want the worldview that actually says, "Hey, we want to be doing things that take care of people and advance the technology," you really want the Judeo-Christian worldview to be correct. Because all the other worldviews, you're fighting your worldview to get those things that we think are important, like individuals being important. Uh, you think a postmodern view, not all individuals are important. And even in a naturalist worldview, not all individuals are important. Whereas in Christianity, it's very clear that not only are people important, but every individual is important. And so these are just the sort of things we need to wrestle with. And as you said, we need to think about the big picture not just assume that, oh, we're going to make it and it'll all kind of work out because it can do a lot of damage before we figure out uh, how, to, how, to, how to make it work well. Jeff, when is your book coming out? It is supposed to come out, I think, October 2022. So just a little under a year from now. Oh, outstanding and kind of exciting. Um, and in the meantime, we're going to see even more advancement in artificial intelligence. So it's going to be very, uh, always very timely. It seems as though there's a maybe a divine aspect that that takes place in, in some of the books that I see that you all put out at Reasons to Believe. It just seems to fit in perfectly with the times that we're in. Uh, we started the conversation talking about this artificial intelligence, writing a worship song. And I wanted to end on a God story note, uh, thinking about 1 Corinthians 13 that says, if I speak in the tongue, in the tongues of men 
or of angels, but do not have love. I'm only a resounding gong or a claiming symbol. And I think if we substituted the word artificial intelligence and said, if an artificial intelligence speaks in the tongues of men or of angels, but does not have love, it's only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. It's just noise. Amen and amen. <laughs> I mean, what, really, it, it and that can be applied to just about anything that we do, whether it's technology, whether it's the music that we play, it's the words that we speak to one another. As we go well, into I, the holiday season, even say. more so. If I can just say, yeah, I think one of the, the things we need to watch is that whatever we do with AI, we keep it as a tool that we are doing that because AIs can't have love, but God has given us the capacity and in fact commanded us to love others. And so that's that's the that's where the AI can help us do what God has asked us to do better. I love that. Uh, I wanted to play a little bit of one of my favorite songs of the holidays. It came upon the midnight clear. That's just such a beautiful song that I don't know if AI could ever replicate some of the imagery and the emotion and the beauty and the power of the story of God coming to earth and the world in solemn stillness. To hear the angels sing. And what were they saying? Saying praise to, to, to God for what he's doing, what was happening at a pivotal point in history. Could an algorithm capture that? I don't know if it could capture the words, but it could never capture the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the story that comes to us at Christmas time. So it's kind of an exciting time of the year because uh, we pull out some of these old songs, these old hymns that have so much power and so much meaning. They're played in almost every mall in the United States. They're up and down the radio dial. Maybe this Christmas time you can tune in and hear something that an algorithm simply can't give you. Jeff, thank you so very much for being with us today. It's always a pleasure. Do you have some special uh, plans for Christmas? Uh, just hanging out with family. I uh, just enjoy the time to you know go through the adornments. And there's some traditions we have and just hang out with family and enjoy the, enjoy the time and uh, worship God while we're doing it. I love it. Real connection, real connection. And it's been fun connecting with you. Thanks for joining us. More SciTech Talk at MyMichelleLive.com. Outstanding. Thank you. Now this this is a topic that I don't think ever is going to get old. It just there's so much interesting stuff associated with AI and what they do with it. So.